Students at historically black colleges and universities in Baltimore are being asked to shelter in place after a bomb threat was called into Morgan State and Coppin State earlier this morning. Today's news follows more bomb threats and campus evacuations yesterday at HBCUs around the country. Now, in a minute, we'll hear how Chicago's predominantly black university, Chicago State, is rallying as black schools are targeted. But first, Jewish businesses and synagogues in Rogers Park were vandalized with graffiti of swastikas over the weekend. Oren Siegel tracks these sorts of uh, attacks for the Anti-Defamation League, where he's VP of the Center of Extremism. Oren, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me, Sasha. So two distressing stories this morning, HBCUs being threatened and uh, the local Jewish community being attacked. Now, it does strike me, Oren, that, that these are attacks on bedrock institutions in, in both the black and Jewish communities, right? We're talking about schools and synagogues and businesses. But what do you make of that? Yeah, I mean, I think we are currently uh, at an all-time high uh, in terms of anti-Semitic incidents in this country. We've been tracking this for, you know, almost 40 years. And the last three years have been um, ripe with incidents targeting institutions, uh, individuals. And I would say that this is mimics and, and echoes, frankly, a rise in hate more broadly. And the bomb threats that we've seen at historically black colleges and universities is part of a larger landscape of hate in this country that is creating fear and anxiety. And I think everybody wants to know why is this happening now and who's behind it? So you would put both of these uh, instances as a, a trend an overall trend of a rise in hate crimes and extremism? Yeah, I mean, certainly with the anti-Semitic incidents, we have seen, as I mentioned, historically high levels. In terms of the bomb threats at the historically black colleges and universities, this is just the latest wave, if you will. Earlier in January, we saw bomb threats as well. And so, you know, exactly who's behind this is not completely clear. Unfortunately, perpetrators of this sort of hate are not always apparent immediately. Mm -hmm. um, but clearly the effort here, right, the intent is to create fear and anxiety targeting the Jewish community and targeting the African-American community. Do you see the attacks in Rogers Park as being tied to a rise in right-wing extremism? You know, it's not clear, right? Uh, swastikas, for example, or, or broken windows um, are not only the tactics that are used by right-wing extremists. Um, and I think over time, hopefully, when these perpetrators are caught, we'll have a better sense of what that motivation is. Um, but clearly, part of the rise in anti-Semitism around the country can be linked to certain groups and movements that are engaging in campaigns. So, for example, a lot of um, the anti-Semitic uh, incidents and, and vandalism, as well as flyering that has occurred around the country, Part of that has been at the hands of a particular white supremacist anti-Semitic group. Now, that's not responsible for all of what we're seeing around the country, but sometimes there are campaigns and other times it's uh, maybe average Joes and Janes, people that we don't really know, but that feel comfortable enough to do this type of activity. Mm. Talk more about the precedent for these types of attacks in, in recent years, Oren. Well, I, I think, um, you know, when it comes to harassment, of, of communities and trying to create fear and anxiety. The fact of the matter is it, it doesn't cost a lot of money, right? I mean, somebody can easily call in a bomb threat whenever they want. And there are serious repercussions for that, but it's not something that requires 
a ton of planning. Uh, same thing with some of the incidents that we're seeing, where it's flyers left on uh, the, ho- uh, the front yards of Jewish people's homes. Mm-hmm. You know, you need a car, you need to travel, you need to print it out. But the fact that harassment and hatred is so cheap and easy these days makes it much more widespread. The problem is we don't always know who's behind it, but it is incumbent upon law enforcement to investigate all these incidents to the fullest extent. We need to know who's behind it so we can find ways to stop it. So uh, I want to ask you about the bomb threats uh, that were called in to the HBCUs uh, specifically. Authorities say that we don't know if these attacks are, are racially motivated or not, Oren. Why do you think there's a hesitation to call them racially motivated? You know, it's, it's not clear. You know, I think sometimes um, somebody might think that, well, it, maybe it's, you know, kids playing a prank or something like that. I mean, to me, that doesn't really hold much water. Um, and doesn't really address the situation. When we see one uh, historically black university and college being targeted after another, that's a series, right? That's, that's intent. That's a, a, a coordinated effort. And those targets are selected for a reason. So, you know, whoever is behind this, whatever we find out eventually, the result is the same, creating fear and anxiety in the African-American community. And frankly, that is... Uh, to me and, and, and to any uh, folks who observe part of the hate landscape, no matter what the ultimate reason is behind these incidents. What do you think our leaders need to do to curb these types of crimes? Well, leaders need to consistently speak out against hate in all its form. They need to make sure that they are supporting efforts by law enforcement to get to the bottom of this. But I think there's a broader issue here. Normalization of hatred is just become so common in this country, right? It starts with language on social media platforms or online, or frankly, sometimes at the you know Thanksgiving table during a discussion. But there are consequences, right? When hatred goes unchecked, it eventually leads to vandalism at synagogues, bomb threats at historically black colleges and universities, and much worse. People need to consistently say, this is not normal. That's Oren Siegel, vice president of the Anti-Defamation League's Center on Extremism. Thank you so much. Thanks, Sasha. You're listening to Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. And as we mentioned, just as we begin to mark Black History Month, historically black colleges and universities around the country are receiving bomb threats. Now, Z. Scott is president of Chicago State. That's a predominantly black university on the city's south side. And she joins us now to discuss how this news is impacting the CSU community. Hi, President Scott. Welcome back to Reset. Uh, uh, Good good afternoon or good morning still. Uh, Thank you so much for having me this afternoon. So first, President Scott, I want to make clear uh, Chicago State has not received any threats. No, we have not received any threats. But uh, as I mentioned, there were two more bomb threats at HBCUs in Baltimore today. What's your reaction to that news? First of all, it's very disappointing that to hear as we open Black History Month to see threats to institutions of higher education that uh, largely support uh, black students and their families. It's very disappointing to hear. Uh, as, as your last uh, speaker said, this is intentional and it's directed to promote hate. Uh, and that is unacceptable. Well, I asked uh, the last speaker about the fact that we don't officially know yet that these attacks are racially motivated. But I'm hearing you say, even though there's a hesitation to call them that, you think they are. They are. 
Uh, first, first of all, you look at the institutions that are being targeted. Look at the timing. Uh, as a former federal prosecutor, you can put two you can put two and two together. Although somebody's not drawing the picture, all of the facts point to uh, uh, that. Given the timing and given the institutions, that is intentional threat uh, to our uh, to educational institutions that support support uh, black students and families. In your years as an educator, President Scott, have you ever seen what we're seeing now at multiple HBCUs receiving these types of threats? It is unprecedented. Uh, and it is unfortunate, uh, but we should feel confident, especially at Chicago State, uh, that we have uh, the appropriate security around our students, that we're putting the safety of our students first, and that we are in touch with federal and state officials on the safety of our campus. Is that your message today to your students and yes. to their our, parents? My message to them is, is that, that we are aware, we are monitoring it, we have been in touch with uh, federal officials uh, who have been watchful when it comes to what happens at our institution. Uh, our police department is being led by a seasoned law enforcement official. Our team of law enforcement officers is well trained. So we are, we are indeed ready. And when this type of threat happens, it does seem like it could be hugely disruptive to a school. What happens to school when they have to go virtual or are evacuated from campus? Well, we, we saw some of that with the pandemic when we went to remote learning and we went to virtual. But the, but the circumstances that we're talking about here are ones that are based on uh, personal fear of personal safety, and it's a different kind of fear. But we know that any disruption to learning can hurt students and their families. Absolutely. And uh, you and I have talked in the past on this show about the decline in, in black student college uh, enrollment happening across the country. And uh, you've discussed what you're doing to turn those numbers around. What's the latest on that? Well, uh, we, we continue to see that the uh, pandemic and, and, and all of its elements are hurting uh, black students and their, their access to a college education in Illinois. Uh, we are very much focused on what we can do to improve access for our students, and it comes from something as simple as providing uh, scholarship support, making sure our students not only have the physical implements that they need to continue their education, like laptops, access to the Internet. We focus for our students who live on campus. We focused on housing and students who may be housing in insecure, giving them a scholarship that allows them to live on campus. We are making sure that students are, we have started a, a student success uh, part of our, our student, um, you know, our student affairs division. So we have a new student success director mm -hmm. focusing on things like mental health, uh, food insecurity. We're about to open a child care center on our campus. The, the construction is complete. And for the first time in, 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 in a, probably a decade, we will have child support, I mean, child care service for our students because at least 30% of our students do need child care. So we're doing what we can to make sure students not only uh, can, can enter Chicago State, but come here to thrive and, re and graduate. Are you hopeful that these adjustments will be effective? I, we are very hopeful. Uh, we are already seeing uh, some, some, some success with our RISE Academy where our freshmen uh, come to uh, come to us, and they have a completely free freshman year, including books and all fees. 
and uh, there's also some wraparound services associated with that, and it's a model that all students, not just students who are who may show some academic uh, need, but all students go through that program, and we're seeing greater retention and greater success among students who go through that program. So we're already being, we are hopeful that as we expand that program, we see greater success in retention. President Scott, do you have any advice for educators or, or maybe even parents on how they could talk to students and kids about this news? First of all, you know, I, I, I don't think we can run from bad news ever. Uh, and I think uh, we, as, we as parents, I'm a parent myself, we know that our, 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 our students and our children have access to Internet, and so they're already aware. I think that we have to take the fear out of it and have an honest conversation that, that there, are, there are elements of our society that have risen, uh, that have become more vocal and more visible in their hatred to, uh, toward other groups, and that we should do what we can to stamp out that kind of conduct and that, that real leaders won't, will not tolerate uh, speech and act, actions that demonstrate hate and that we are doing what we can as leaders to protect them. Let's talk about the backdrop here, Black History Month. Excited. It's, yeah, it's supposed to be a time of celebration, right, of black achievements. What's on your mind as we start February amidst what could be interpreted as a, a burst of hate against these black institutions? I mean, I think we have to, we can't center ourselves on hate, but center ourselves on hope. Uh, and that is where we are, where we start from at Chicago State University. In about 30 minutes, I'll be presenting a welcome address as we kick off our Black History Month celebrations. And one thing that I am doing as a president is hosting a presidential lecture series that will feature three of our distinguished alum nice. uh, in, in conversations with students. So we are making sure that our students are centered and focused on as part of uh, what we do here at Chicago State. So we're proud to welcome Dr. Brian Clay, an orthopedic surgeon, uh, Cynthia Nash, the former dean of the University of Arkansas Law School, and uh, Anthony Anderson, who is a, form, a retired executive from Ernst & Young, who now sits on four public boards. So we are proud of our alum, and the series is entitled The Conversation Continues. So, we, so hopefully uh, your, your listeners will look out for that, that series that will be moderated by our student leaders. Sounds wonderful. Here on, on Reset, we're going to be celebrating this month as well. We're going to be talking about black creativity and, and black achievements in Chicago. And in the next hour on the program, we're actually going to dig into uh, Black History Month's Chicago roots. So we're excited for that. Uh, that is Z Scott, president of Chicago State University. Thank you for being with us. Oh, thank you for having me. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.